You're listening to an episode of Welcome to the Teacher's Lounge, the podcast dedicated to honest conversations with educators about what they do and, more importantly, who they are. I'm your host, John LeMay, and I'm here to highlight the complex and rich lives led by teachers with diverse interests, identities, and stories. Hello! Whether you're tuning in once again or listening for the first time, thank you so much for joining me for this week's conversation, which I'm very excited to share with you. This week, I had the pleasure of speaking with Randy, an English and history teacher at a New England boarding school. We talk about the ways in which Randy brings his core values of vulnerability and authenticity to his interactions with his students. We also talk about what it looks like for him to take risks and to fail with grace in the classroom. And we discuss the importance of educators modeling the behavior and habits they encourage in their students. Now, Randy is someone I did not know previous to our conversation. We were connected through a mutual friend, and I thoroughly enjoyed getting to know him, as I think you will as well. As ever, if you haven't done so yet, please check out previous episodes and please rate us on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. And if you can, please take a minute or two to write a quick review of the podcast. I appreciate everyone who's taken the time to do that so far. It's really great to get the feedback. Additionally, please check us out on Facebook, where you'll be able to get previews of future episodes and some behind-the-scenes snapshots of the folks involved with the podcast. And if you have feedback or if you know of any educators that you think I should have on the podcast, please don't hesitate to email us at welcometotheteacherslounge at gmail.com. With all that out of the way, let's get into my conversation with Randy. Enjoy! Randy, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat today. Yeah, so you're kind of a different guest than anyone I've had so far because most of my guests have been either people that I am good friends with or people that I know just like as acquaintances. Um, but you're someone that I, whom I do not know uh, at all. So I'm kind of looking forward to getting to know you just like I think whoever our, our listeners are will be getting to know you as well. Oh, definitely. I mean, it's, it's, it's always great to talk to a stranger about something that you're like you care about you know yeah absolutely so let's go back to uh the the first day of of school um so i'm interested in how much you remember from your first day of of full-time teaching uh i realize that was a little while ago but i'm curious just like what that experience was like for you i think it's a it's a very special day um in various uh you know definitions of the word so i'm curious just like what you remember from from that day my first day teaching. Um, I m- my first day teaching was a little bit different than most. I think um, in that I was I was co-teaching with my mentor, um, and which basically meant for the whole fall term I was um, I was observing my mentor teach. So I didn't actually teach. So I didn't have the pressure of having to go um, into class and, and and teach a lesson. But I was super nervous. Um, where were you nervous because, about? Um, my first real job out of college, um, being at, um, a boarding school, um, that like took itself pretty seriously, um, and having to like figure out who I was as a teacher, um, all those things I felt like I had to do on that first day, you know, yeah. but, uh, clearly you don't, it takes some time, but I was like rattled about that sure now were you in it was it a student teaching program or a teaching fellowship uh it was a fellowship um basically most of the work was hands-on in the classroom um and for for my program two-year program the first year uh in the fall we observed our mentor in the winter we co-taught and then in the spring we took over um that class and then year two you had a pretty full load um, so again, I was able to ease into it, but still, uh, was coaching and being an advisor in the whole nine for, for the boarding school world. Yeah. So it's kind of like a transition between like you're in between like part-time and full-time, like you're, you're mm-hmm. full-time at whatever school you're, you're teaching at, but you're not assuming the responsibilities that come with, you know, a more experienced teacher. Um, not all of them at least, like, but Pretty much most of them. It, it, we always joke that you know that we were probably three quarters of a faculty member, but 
also half of a student. Right. So there's like not enough time in the day to get everything done, but you're really doing both jobs um, pretty much like fully. Yeah, that years. makes sense. It's a grind. There's like a teaching and a learning component to it uh, as well. Exactly. Exactly. So then let's go back to that to yeah, to that first day. What 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 was that like for you? Um I had this weird thing where I like whenever I meet a person or when I typically meet people, especially if, if I know that I'll have to be around them for a while, I pretty much like say my flaws like off the get go. So like I was like, Hi, I'm this person I'm from New York and California and uh, I stutter a lot, so bear with me. And like they're kind of like, <laughs> what are you talking so about? So you said that like, to the students. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, um, and I just like got, I was like, I stutter and I can't spell most of the time, so help me out there. But we're gonna have a good time this year. Um, and they're kind of like confused by this initial um, like moment like, of transparency, right? This dump of 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 weight. Yeah. <laughs> um, but ultimately, I think they. It kind of just fit into who I was as, as a person, as, as a teacher. So it made sense by the end. Yeah. So so you so that kind of like that idea of transparency and that idea of just like admitting sort of like whatever your whatever your flaws are or shortcomings or just things that people need to know is that something that kind of like factors into just who you are as a person, like not even just as a teacher. Uh yeah. I mean, authenticity is extremely important to me um it's also something i struggle with i think as teachers we have this role of being a figure but also like being a person and trying to blend those two as close as possible um so you really have to figure out how authentic or genuine you can be and usually i'm probably too real um that's pretty much how i go about like my day yeah like just trying to be who i am as much as possible that's that's something that i definitely identify with. I think that authenticity is something that I value both in the classroom and just in kind of like my day-to-day life to the point where Mm -hmm. sometimes I I worry that it can be kind of a defense mechanism. Uh, Like, you know, when Mm -hmm. in doubt, just like admit, you know, what your flaws are or kind of like overcorrect for that. And to the point where I wonder sometimes in the classroom if I am being too authentic or being too real, again, whatever that means. And it's different for every teacher and every, you know, every group of students. But it is funny that you kind of feel there's like a disconnect between like our private selves and our public selves as teachers. And we feel like we, whether or not that's actually how it has to be, but we feel like we have to kind of sustain this illusion of like confidence of, yeah, of knowing what we're doing of like not having any shortcomings. Um, oh, definitely. And it's, it's funny. You, you said like that the students kind of reacted in this way where they're kind of like, uh, I don't know what to do with this guy. Um, right. I think it's because they're, they're kind of bombarded with just like this. Yeah. Like people who don't feel like they can or need to, like, you know, be upfront about whatever their shortcomings are or whatever it is that the students need to know. Yeah, I mean, for teachers, we also have to remember, like, they're, like, what, 14, 15, 16, right. 17 years old. So I, I, as fast as, like, this this crop of kids are growing up and they seem pretty adult, like, they're still undeveloped. Yeah. Like, I was still undeveloped at 24, 25 when I was teaching, so how can I not expect my students to not always get it or not know how to process information or different personalities or perspectives. Yeah. Cause they're processing a lot. Like they're processing right. their peers and they're processing like whatever, five, six, seven teachers, um, especially on that first day. Yeah. Would you characterize your first day as like good, bad, somewhere in between? Oh. No, I was trash. I was trash <laughs> for like two months. Just like not like, so the, the, Part of it became because my mentor, um, who's like my best friend, I or best friend in teaching, yeah. um, teaching around, uh, really taught me how to teach. Um, he's a planner. He's a planner. He plans everything to a T. Sure. It's like very thorough. Um, and I'm more of a feel the vibe, like have an idea of what I want to do, and just like figure out how to um, attain that objective. Um, on the you're like more like, you're I'm, more type b yeah definitely um and that's how i started um but he kind of forced me to plan which felt unnatural so for the first two or three months trying to bring more structure to what like my thoughts but also my well lessons just like first day up until like 
October, October, November, just like struggling. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've, I had heard when I started teaching that after Thanksgiving break is when you start to kind of feel like you're gaining some momentum and you just have, mm-hmm. have things to work with in terms of like you've, you've done a lot of lessons, you've done a lot of teaching by that point, and you really have a feel for what you need to work on, what doesn't work for you, what doesn't work for your students. Oh, definitely. So you, you found that like around like that October, like November to kind of be like that sweet spot of saying like, not even like I'm a good teacher now, but like I'm a teacher now, like what I'm doing actually qualifies as teaching. Right. I'm not BSing for 50 minutes, yeah. four times a week. Yeah. When, when did you, when did you realize that you wanted to be a teacher? Um, my junior year of college. Um, and it was one of those things where like you had to experience something which would make you reflect on other events in your past which would then kind of lead to some, like, aha moment. Like, obviously, I'm supposed to be a teacher. Like, this makes so much sense yeah. when you all look back. But in my junior year, I took I took this um, masculinity class, boys to men. Um, and essentially, it was a two-part class. Part was in the classroom, and we're learning about masculinity and, and, and um, that, like, the, the, the institution in the United States. But then also, the, the, the other part was actually going to um, an elementary school and being a boys group leader with a partner um and i remember one day after doing the man box activity where you like put everything that's supposed to be quote-unquote like manly inside the box and anything that's not outside we did this uh like who's your role model circle fishbowl um activity and long story short the 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 kid, um, like, we got to a kid, and, and, and he had lost his dad, um, and his uncle wasn't, um, like, present in his life. Um, so we asked him, like, who's your, your role model? And he said me, and it was, like, it was weird, because I'd only engaged with this kid, with this kid for, like, 10 weeks. Yeah. So it didn't, like, I didn't understand how I could be his role model. Oh, so he, he said, he said like, Randy is my role model. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I yeah, thought you said yeah. like, I thought like, you said he was saying he himself was his role model, but he oh, was saying no, you, no, no, you no, were no, his role sorry, model. Sorry. Um, he said that I was role model. I was like, first of all, that's an honor, but also like, how is that possible? What have I done to make that connection? Um, and then I thought back to, you know, when I'm in that classroom setting, what mannerisms, what things, like what values, do I hold? And they all like led back to men at my boarding school um, who taught me um, and guided me through like crappy times or um, taught me to have confidence in myself. And I was like, well, that's why I am who I am now. Like, why not go off and like try to do that for other kids? Yeah. So it was really you thinking about like the effect that that teachers in general, specifically male teachers as like male role models, like have had on you and sort of wanting to like have a similar effect on other people. Exactly. Um, and, and just looking at like what opportunities I have and who kind of influenced me to obtain those opportunities. Um, and then thinking, all right, like how can I pay it forward to them or, um, to my family, which is also like a group, like a family of teachers. Sure. Um, but it never just clicked that that would be something I would do as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so you, you teach uh, English and history, right? Yep. So when you knew that you wanted to be a teacher, did you know that you wanted to teach English and history? No, not at all. Um, I was actually a sociology major in college. Um, and I like I got lucky pretty much uh, with the program that I applied to. Um, they took me as just a humanities candidate. The fellowship program. Um, yeah, the, the, that like, master's program. Um, and from there, like once you have humanities, you can really teach anything, yeah. kind of, uh, well, in terms of the humanities, I guess. So um, in my next job, uh, they slotted me for English and history. Gotcha. Which has been fun, um, difficult, but fun. Why has it been difficult? Um, I think you, I've had to think about things differently, which like it seems pretty obvious, but yeah, I just, I, I just, had, just have to like think about different, like uh, preparing a lesson for both those classes. 
um, has been a different experience um, than a humanities class, which kind of links or uh, weaves both of them together. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if you're ideally, I think if you're an effective teacher and if you really, really care about about your class and your subject and your students, the subject that you teach really informs just the way that you like look at the world. And it's a, it's a sort of like it's a lens to look at the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm always interested in that because I when I went into teaching or when I decided I, I wanted to go into teaching, I knew that I wanted to be an English teacher because literature was okay. just something that I always loved. So that wasn't an adjustment for me, like saying like, oh, I'm an English teacher. And now I have to look at the world this way or I have to try to frame my discussions this way um, or like frame my teach my teachable moments this way. It wasn't a big it adjustment. Was yeah, it was natural. So yeah. I, I'm interested in like what it's like for people to have to kind of reverse that. Yeah, to be honest, I haven't. Like I teach both classes like a sociology class. I structured my whole like American studies course based off of looking at like different narratives within America and like trying to like um, unpack the the discrepancy between the experiences of, of, of people from those narratives. So that's not, I mean, you see that in literature, um, but I don't think that feels like a normal, like advanced English class. It feels more like a sociology seminar with five kids yeah. senior year. Um, and the professor that you choose because he's the man right. <laughs> is also like extremely intelligent and you've had him for three years. Right. And it's kind of like a fusion between different, like different types of courses or different like educational experiences. Absolutely. And I think my kids struggle with that at times because they're used to, they're used to the norm. Like they're used to having a teacher come in and, and talk at them about a book. Um, and then they offer their opinions, but I really try to give them as much, um, airspace as possible. Um, which is also difficult because, you know, clearly they'll say something which I like really agree with or we'll need to kind of check them. And then that gets me on my soapbox and they have to like, yeah. see the eye rolls and all that. But <laughs> Right. You're kind of like going in between like seminar discussion leader mode and like lecturer mode and figuring right. out when is the best time to be one versus the other. And inevitably, like you misjudge certain things and you miscalculate like whether or not this is the, the moment you should you, you you realize you've been talking for like 10 minutes and it's not actually that interesting <laughs> or at least that's no. my experience often but you're so in it you're so in it like you like you're destined to like make this point and they've tuned out like four minutes ago right 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 and yeah. you realized it four minutes later yeah. <laughs> it's too like, late yeah. right <laughs> that's, that's what all those glazed overlooks are for that's funny um so what, what were you like as a as a student mm. my kids ask me this all the time really all the time. Um, I told him I was the like, I was the worst student ever. <laughs> I would hate to have me, um, and that's why I think I'm generally good with the kids who are like me, because they're like disengaged or joke too much, and I have a certain um, um, like I can deal with that for a certain uh, amount of time. I think more than most kids, but then when it pushes that boundary. I got a pretty quick switch. Yeah. Um, and I think at times I respect that, and also at times it gets me in trouble. But um, as a student, yeah, I was not dedicated. I was a really good bullshitter. Really, really good bullshitter, yeah. Um, when it came to, like, your ability to, like, convey that you understood the, the material or yeah. just, like, coming up with excuses as to, like, why you didn't do work or, or all of it? Never the excuses why I didn't do work. I just would pretty much own that most of the time. Okay. Um, but in terms of s- like sounding somewhat smart and doing minimal work, um, I was I was pretty good at that. Um, but I think it was because the things just didn't interest me. Like, I didn't care about French or right. my comp class the classes that I cared about my teachers made it a point to have like an actual relationship with me the environment um, was one where I could communicate freely um, and also like be creative clearly I mean of course it was an art class which I think is interesting in and of itself but um, 
that was like the most memorable. Like those were the most memorable um, classroom experiences, like in the party studio with the five kids in the class, just like talking shit about each other's work, but knowing that we were actually giving you props or 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 like congratulating you for like making something super cool. Yeah, and we had that because of our teacher. So you so that that probably reinforced when you actually started teaching that probably reinforced like just the importance of like crafting that type of an environment. Oh, absolutely. Um, and knowing that it's not necessarily how much they're interested in the subject or how interesting you can make the subject, though there's something to be said for that. Uh, it's, right. it's about the kind of environment that you're creating, just like how you make the students, um, the students feel. And it sounds like you definitely experienced that when you were in high school. I definitely did. And I, so in my program, we had to write this paper um, on like an effective classroom environment. I'm oh, sorry, an effective learning environment. Um, and in the, in, in the research that I was doing, you come across the, uh, the idea of like classroom management. And that's um, not only your instruction, but it's the physical space. It's the relationships you uh, facilitate with students and between students. All of this like manipulation almost um, that you have to think about as a teacher and basically, like what I, I I argued in the paper was like that's the most important about part about teaching. It's not actually the, the the content or the skills. Like you can access the content and you can teach the skills if you've successfully created an environment where um, kids feel cared for and feel enough trust to go with you on that path. Yeah, yeah. But if that trust isn't there. They're gonna like regurgitate, or they're they're gonna consume the the information and probably be able to regurgitate you, but not gonna learn. Yeah, it's 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 all about yeah making making them more receptive to the things that you have right. to say or the things you're trying to teach them. In my opinion, at least. I mean, I'm also what three years into this. So. <laughs> right. No, but I I think that's absolutely true. And again, you know that 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 works, or at least it worked for for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's I think that kind of where as as teachers who are in that like. I, I don't know, under 30, like, category, which I think, I feel like that's, like, a very specific, like, time to be a teacher. We do have, like, the luxury of not being that far removed from from being students, whether it's mm-hmm. college, high school, or some people very vividly remember their middle school experience. Um, so trusting those instincts and just knowing what works, like, there's a lot of value to that. Question for you. As a fellow younger teacher, do you like being a young teacher? <laughs> Would you prefer that's, to be like 32? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think it has its benefits and I think it also has like its downfalls. Um, I, I do like the fact that in some ways the students are more receptive toward me um, and some mm-hmm. of the things that I have to say are maybe a little more trusting. Um, but I also, there there are there can be problems with that. Sometimes they just look at you in a, in a different way than they do if you're obviously you know much older than them and I also and I tell people this I I I look young like I just I'm Mm -hmm. a I have a kind of a baby face like I need to have like my facial hair and I'm a pretty small person in in general um so I just look young and I oftentimes will have kids like asking me how old I am and some will say like that I'm older than I am which feels great uh but then a lot will assume that I'm I'm younger um and there's you know dealing with parents sometimes they can just you can just tell that when they walk in the room and when they sit down for parent-teacher conferences or sit down, like, for back-to-school night, you can just tell they have to adjust, like, oh, this person could could be my child. Like, this, right. you know, and, and I have kids asking me sometimes, they'll try and guess my age, and sometimes they'll guess the right one, and then I never tell them. Like, I never tell them my age, and I never tell them if they're right, and they'll be like, well, I really hope that you're not this age because, like, my older sibling is you know, older right. than you or the same age. I'm like, oh, wow, wouldn't that be crazy? Uh, that's that's wild, but it's like actually two years two years older than you actually are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So I don't know. I, I'm enjoying being where I am in my teaching process, um, but I, I will never, like some people will say, oh, it's it's super easy to be a younger teacher or it's super easy to be an older teacher. I just don't think that's the case. I think it's, each one has its own challenges. Yeah, it's. I don't. I. I definitely go back and forth 
um, because I think kids will challenge you more and um, more readily, but also it's easier for me to relate over a new album that came out or the football game that went into overtime or things like that that just seem more in my scope um, that can overlap with, with, with the kids versus, you know, people who are talking about, oh, I'm having twins. Like, yeah. I can't relate to that. Sure, sure. And you're my colleague. Like, I should be able to and I get it, but I've, I don't know where to place, tw- like, a twin talk for me. Yeah. I just smile and nod. Well, <sighs> and it can be interesting because you have those moments where you your interests do overlap with with your students. For me, a lot mm-hmm. of that comes with, like, a lot of, like, TV shows I watch right. or music I listen to. And it's so funny because you, for me, I'm very passionate about those things and I like talking about them. And sometimes when I talk about them, I'm a little worried or I can tell that the students are kind of like, oh, he's just trying to be like hashtag relatable with me right now. Like you're trying to be like that typical, like I'm the cool teacher. Like, no kids, you, you're you the ones who are teaching me. When you're like, right. no, no, I'm actually this, I actually do really enjoy like listening to Chance the Rapper. Like I'm not just trying to drop right. like that little bit of it. <laughs> Like things so that you'll be on my side now. I'm hip. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm not a regular teacher. I'm a cool teacher. I've found that making dad jokes, like doing the reverse, makes you cooler. It's interesting. It's funny because I, I think I un- unintentionally jokes. do that. Like I make a ton of like stupid puns and like do a ton of stupid bits with my kids. Uh, right. So I'm probably like unintentionally doing dad jokes. But uh, why do you, why do you say that? Um, I think. Because they, it's just unexpected, and it was like that's a really awful joke. But they, they don't feel bad about telling you it's a really bad joke. Yeah, you know. So like it's funny because they're making fun of me. Like they're making fun of, fun of me in a really low risk way. Totally. Yeah. So and like if I do it playfully and not like I'm actually trying to get a rile out of them, just like. Josh and it just makes me seem a little bit more human I think um I think there's something to be said for that sense of shamelessness of just saying whatever it is you feel like saying in the moment like not apologizing for it like not trying to frame it as like you're trying to get a rise out of them or trying to get a laugh out of them and it it goes back to that that sense of authenticity of just like being who you are and whether that's weird or whether that's like annoyed um like there's a lot of merit to that I think the issue is when the kids make a really like inappropriate joke, but it's also really funny. Sure. And you have to like keep it. Yes. <laughs> you have to keep it together. Yeah. Um, and and discuss why you can't say that. Right. 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 Um, while also like not bursting because the the re- relaxed you on the couch might laugh at that joke if it's in. Totally. If you were like among your friends, you were like, yeah, I right. I would totally make that joke. Or if someone else right. had made that joke, I would you know say that's totally funny. But it's all about the time and place thing. Right. Are there students uh, that you're just basically like, basically like, yeah, that was me when I was a high schooler? Yeah, uh, in some in some aspects for sure. Um, I think probably like you and probably like everyone in high school around that age, I was I was a complicated person. Yeah, uh, I had a lot of different things going on, but yeah, I mean, I definitely see kids that remind me of myself, um, both in good ways and in bad ways. Uh, and there are some kids who I. I'm like, man, like if you were like when I was in high school, like we totally would have been friends right. or I would have thought you were super cool. Or like if you were like just like like a couple years older, like we would totally be friends right now. Right. Um, it's, you know, especially when you're dealing with high school, there is such a range of kids who really seem like they're kids. But then you have mm-hmm. some kids who are just super mature and you're like, you're 14, but you should like you should go off to college tomorrow and you right. would be totally fine. Well, I mean. And then, especially in the prep schools, you have kids who are playing hockey who are like 19 years old. It's like, right. yeah, I, I, you're the same age as my sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of them are, yeah, are literally adults and have adults, been for right? a, <laughs> a little while. Yeah. yeah. So I want to hear from you how how you think that we're, we as teachers um, are failing our students. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a total a total change in the in the in the tone, I guess. Mm. I mean, whew. or wh- when when do you think we fail our students as, that's as a, teachers? I think that's an easier question. Yeah, or a, not an easier, but a, it's a less massive question. Yeah. Um, 
I think we can fail or fail our students a lot, um, almost daily. Um, I don't think we always do, but I think we can. Uh, part uh, when we forget, like since I've been in the the working world, um, there have been a number of times where I've like looked around at what adults are doing, and basically been like, this is no different than high school. Like this is a popularity contest, or this is a uh, like a spiteful like tiff that you have with arrival and 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 when adults lose sight of our like almost propensity to fall back into old ways um that can be that can be an issue and it's more of an issue when you do it on a boarding school campus right because we ask them to have character and act in a a, a certain way but then you and they look to you for modeling but you don't model what you're asking them to do like that's problematic yeah, absolutely do, do you feel like that bleeds over into the classroom or do you think that can bleed over into the classroom um, or, or even just like on campus like and can it like can that ability for teachers to to comport themselves like high schoolers or not comport themselves like adults can that kind of like filter into like what the students are experiencing well sometimes it's structural like for instance take a dining hall right we we might have a conversation um, talking to our student body, saying, "Hey, you know, when you s- block off certain tables for the seniors or for the hockey team or for the freshmen or for different groups, it's really not mimicking a, um, a, a an inclusive community, right?" Yeah. But then those same teachers or Administrators will sit at the teacher's table all together um, that is somewhat distinguished from the other seating for the students. And it's like, well, isn't that the same thing? Now, I get, like, I get not every teacher is going to mingle and eat with with students. Um, And I get that, you know, sometimes students don't want that and teachers probably don't want that. Um, but I do think it's like, it, we have to look pretty intentionally at, at our practices and what we're modeling and then our actions and, 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 and deciding if we're mimicking what we say that we want to see in, in our students. Yeah. Um, and that's a very like low stakes example, but I think we do that quite a bit, um, and it just like begs one question like what are we doing yeah absolutely well yeah i mean it's it's it is it's a very small example and it might feel low stakes but it is kind of reinforcing that idea that we're not yeah like you say we're not modeling the behavior that we're trying to model that we say that we should model for our students whether it pertains to just the way that we talk or the way that we model uh inclusion in different aspects of of the word or 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 take the kid who who is upset about his English grade, right? And goes to the, like the like goes and tells tells his parent, who then calls the teacher or the head of the department. When if the kid and the teacher have the discussion, right? Maybe it's not all settled, but then you can go to different um, administrators. Well, we see this is the same thing with teachers. Where my advisee is, is having this issue with 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 um, a teacher, let me go to the head of the department instead of going to talk with the actual person who like it's involved with. Now, clearly, yeah. this is not every school, but I'm pretty sure like that happened. Like, it's happened to me. I'm yeah, sure it's like, happened to me as well. I'm not the only one. So, like, I, I just don't understand when you say like, but we're we're we're, we're trying to like teach kids to be um, to have agency and stand up and speak out or speak up for themselves and communicate um, effectively with adults, but we're not doing it ourselves. Yeah. So there's all all these like instances where you have to ask yourself, what are we really doing? Do we actually believe what we say that we believe? Yeah. I think one of the most, like the most typical, like you, you, you know that you are a teacher or, you know, you've been teaching for a little bit of time when 
fairly regularly, you find yourself just asking yourself or even saying it out loud to no one in particular, like, what are we doing here? Right. <laughs> like, what what are what are we doing? Like, what are we trying to do here? Because right. it doesn't sound like we either it doesn't sound like we know what we're doing or we have our priorities all all out of line. Which it's frustrating. Um, I think it's the same thing that like keeps you coming back though. Cause you, like, yeah. you, like, I bet a lot of teachers are puzzlers. Like they want to fix issues. They want to fix problems. They want to find an answer. Um, so when you, when, when, when that's systemic, when that, when that's institution wide, um, it makes you come back or it makes me come back at least. Yeah. It's that idea of like, I tried my best. Or maybe I didn't, but regardless, I'm going to try and do better tomorrow or right. next year or, yeah. Or speak the up, next, yeah. The next portion. Right. Um, I'm interested in what you said earlier about um, modeling in inclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, so you teach English and you teach and you teach history. history. Um, I, I don't teach history, but I, but I teach English and I, I find that modeling ideas of inclusion and, and diversity um, and issues of identity is just is something that I have a really great opportunity to do in the classroom and something that I'm constantly like challenging myself to, to do um, and finding better ways to do that and more effective ways to do that. Is that something that you're kind of like looking to do in your class or that you do in your class? And I'm curious, like how, how you do that personally? Yeah. Um, I think part of it is like the only, like, I do it through the books that we read um, or that yeah. that's how I've tried um, to kind of achieve that goal of inclusion and diversity of perspective and and um, and thought. Uh, in my AMSUDS class, I think kids uh, Is were that Amer- American studies. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Um, they were expecting to just read the canon like they always have, you know. Um, and I tried to. I just did what I knew, which is a take a sociological perspective to or um approach to a literature class um so we read so the the i broke down our books into um the black narrative the white narrative and then the immigrant narrative within american culture and trying to like look at books in each of those um or in three different time periods within those narratives and trying to see like how those identities were constructed over time yeah. and see the differences or the similarities between, um, and it's worked in part. Um, but one of the, 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 I guess, sore spots for the kids has been like, it's been so much about race, yeah, race, 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 race. Now in re- reality, it's just more race than, than they've ever had to like tackle. So it feels yeah. like, it's all race. Um, right. Like, Ed talking about race at all can feel like it's all about race. Right. Right. And it makes them uncomfortable and they don't want to, to, to go there per se, but I'm making them go there and this is not what they signed up for and yada, 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 yada. Um, but I think it's important because if, if I don't give it to you, like who else is going to? Yeah. And if you don't at least like, I tell my friends all the time, like we teach things now that they probably won't really get or won't like make sense or won't be um, impactful years later. And like, that's okay. Yeah. So maybe you don't hear the lesson this time around, but when you experience it in real life, this, the, 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 uh, this class is triggered in your memory perhaps, or yeah. maybe it doesn't happen. And that's a possibility too. Um, but I much r- rather throw the seed in there and hope it, and, and hope it grows um, yeah. than not throw it at all. Yeah, and hope that the, the benefits will be reaped yeah, later on down the line. And you don't know if they're going to, but you just have to kind of like hope that they will or right. assume that they might. Or, yeah, like I like what you said about assuming that they're not going to get it anywhere else. You hope that they will, but knowing what we know about education, knowing what we know about the type of narratives that tend to be prioritized in the classroom or just in society in general – the stakes are high. You have an opportunity to do that and you have to, you have to take that. Um, and that, that's why I have such an issue with going back to what I said earlier about this, this idea of them not remembering what they, what you told them or what you taught them, but remembering how you made them feel Mm -hmm. like 
there's a lot to be said about saying, no, 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 like we have to be intentional about what we're teaching them and recognize that it can really make, make a difference. Especially when, when it goes against the grain of what they've learned. Yeah, absolutely. Is that impulse um, more grounded in like your experiences as like a sociology major and like your way of looking at the world through, through that lens or your experience as, as a person of color and sort of like the experiences you had either in high school or in college? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's both all, all of them, right? I mean, yeah. I was, I landed as a sociology major because I, I observe a lot and I think a lot and I ask questions and I played devil's advocate. So like that's connected to my experiences that kind of have, have, have nurtured me that way. Um, and I take all of that into my teaching. So it, it's, it's, a, a, it's constant scaffolding upon experiences or lessons that I've had in my life that now I just use as tools and I use it in my profession, but it's really like, I'm not doing anything um, outside of, outside the realm of like what I would do naturally. Yeah. So um, it doesn't feel, I mean, it feels like work. Don't, don't get me wrong. At the end right. of the week, I'm dog tired, but I rarely feel like I'm um, faking or, or doing something that I wouldn't want to do anyways. Yeah. Except for grading. You're not right. Right. You're, that's not your first impulse necessarily. Right. What is a, what is like a particularly poignant piece of advice that you've received as as a teacher or or something that you've that you've taught yourself or kind of discovered yourself or something that you have to remind yourself about about teaching? Wow. Um, risk and vulnerability. Like you have to take risk, and you have to learn or begin to learn that taking risk and failing is still learning and still progress. Um, what is, what does that risk look like for you? Um, sometimes it's telling my class that they're being a bunch of assholes. Sometimes, <laughs> um, it's, it's trying out a book that I've never read and telling them that we're going to go through this kind of journey together. Um, sometimes it's, like knowing that we have a whole lesson plan of information um, uh, to get through, but what what they really need is, you know, three minutes each of time just to vent and say whatever yeah. is on their mind in whatever um, manner. Um, sometimes it's asking them to write um, a James Baldwin esque letter where they're submitting some part of their um, 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 experience um, to the class or to me and then and the, and then me doing the same and do like doing the assignment with them and, and, and sharing my experience um, it's it's a whole bunch of opportunities to take risks and I think your comfortability um, with being uncomfortable um, but still doing it in the face of risk uh, uh, comes from being like being okay with being vulnerable yeah yeah so it sounds like what you're saying is um it's kind of like risk with vulnerability yeah i mean so do you know Brene brown i do not she's an author she's a researcher um she's pretty badass if you have a chance uh, i would watch her ted talk on vulnerability but um she in one of her books she uh, says that you know connectivity and Vulnerability, they work together in, in, in that, you know, in order to feel connected with a group, um, a person has to be vulnerable to them, right, or to the other, uh, group members. But in order to, like, be able to be comfortable with being vulnerable, you have to feel yeah. c connected. So, like, at some point, you have to do one to achieve the other, but the other is going to then inform and push, um, mm. the first. So, it, it, if I want, my classroom to feel like a, like a community or as close to family as possible, I'm going to have to take that risk and I have to tell them who I am or, or, or show my like true side and ask them to do the same. Um, and that yeah. gets dicey because when you bring in emotions and feelings and experiences that breeds the roller coaster. Um, totally. but it's good work. 
Yeah. Well, and it sounds like it's something that's applicable to just life in general, like right. all aspects of life. Um, that sounds great. I'll definitely, um, I'll include a, a link to that in the in the show notes. Yeah, she's great. Is there any anything else that comes to mind when you think of advice or advice? Because um, it sounds like you you said that you had a really great, you've had some really great mentorship. Yeah. Um, there's, I mean, there's all the cliche ones like find your circle and continue to expand that um, and make sure it's a good circle. I would say, though, um, that as a, a young teacher and working with other young teachers, um, one of the like constant themes um, is like this fear of like, speaking up and this fear of of like, oh, I'm going to get fired if I like ruffle some <laughs> feathers. Well, like, yeah. And this might this is not like this might not be uh, substantiated, but if you're a good person and you're a good teacher, you're gonna find a really good job, and you, or at least a job that um, you feel proud in having. But that job's nothing if you can't like stand up for what you actually believe, or like what you want, or what you need, or what your yeah. students need, right? So yeah. like if you're if 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 the job is so quote unquote good, then it should be good enough to like to, to be as authentic and be as upfront and be as direct about what what you want and they obviously um time and place and you have to have some some tact with that but it sucks when you have friends or you yourself like you find yourself in in a in a, a spot where you want to say something you want to call someone out but you just don't have the voice so yeah make that voice yeah which yeah. is it's what we encourage our students to do all right. the time advocate for yourself right yeah and advocate for others as well yeah uh, and i i struggle with that personally i mean i i've been very fortunate and that in the majority of the teaching positions i found myself in like i've i think i've done fairly fairly well and i've been fairly well received mm-hmm. and i think part of that is because um, in some ways I'm I'm an effective educator yep. um, while still very much learning. I have a whole long list of, of imperfections, um, but I think also some of it is tied into just my the privilege that I've experienced, um, yeah. just the the way that I the things that I say, the things that I do, the way that it's packaged for me as a as a white person, as 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 male, um, as someone who is straight, you know, cisgender, all that kind of stuff. And with that, for me, comes a sense of, oh, I, I need to be on the lookout for ways in which I can advocate for other people, whether it's teachers or whether it's students. Like I've seen people being mistreated by other students or, or, or you know, other teachers, administrators, anything like that. Um, and I find that my reluctance sometimes to speak up is just my sense that, well, like I'm I, this I'm OK. Like this this person, there can't be an issue with this person because they're treating me well. But it gets very, you know, it's very complicated. Right. There's a lot that goes into that. So it's a matter of reminding myself of that, of that privilege, just like I constantly, you know, ask my students to do that. Yeah. And when you do that, like, that's also saying, like, it's okay to be wrong. Like, it's okay to, like, stand up for something that actually, in the end, wasn't the right call. But if you're not taking that opportunity, um, then you're not learning, you're not growing, I don't think. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're you gotta lean into that into that discomfort. Definitely. So I have a I have a little bit of a challenge okay. for you. Um what I'd like you to do is essentially pitch yourself as an educator, um, and wow. sort of like try to capture the essence of yourself as an educator in thirty seconds. Yeah, so just like whatever comes to mind, um, whatever you feel like needs to be conveyed about who you are, what you do in the classroom, like what makes you kind of like you unique, if that if that makes sense. Strictly for the classroom or as like a... Okay. All of it. All, All of, of it. it. Yeah, whatever comes to mind. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw uh, 30 seconds on, on the clock uh, and off you go in... Are, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Off you go in three, two, one. Um, basically it, for me, it boils down to critical thinking. Um, I think in high school, 
if you develop the tools that you need to be able to think um, about the world in which we live, then when you get to college and when you get to further um, educational opportunities, you'll be able to use that critical thought um, to explore or to make change in whatever field that you want. Um, and that, that's what I really care about, um, critical thinking. You'll learn that. Nice. You are very well, very well poised uh, throughout that. I, I appreciate 30 seconds that. seems like short and long at the same time. Sure. Well, then you might like this next section because what oh, I'm going to ask you to do is uh, <laughs> the exact same thing, but do it in 10 seconds. 10 seconds. Are you ready? Yep. All right. Start in three, two, one. In my class, you'll learn to think. Uh, and when you learn to think, you'll be able to use that to change the world in the way that you see fit. Also, once again, very, very poised and very thorough. All right, last section of this. I want you to capture your essence as, as a teacher in one word. Um, challenge. Nice. Challenge. Yeah, that, that checks out. It definitely checks out with what we've been talking wow. about. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah, I just... Mm. Can you imagine if this were part of the uh, the process of, of getting oh, hired? <laughs> One of those interview questions. I mean, this is kind of like a version of like an interview question, but... I think I'd just start to sing a song or something. I'd be so rattled. Yeah. Well, hey, maybe that, maybe that would work. Um, great. Well, I think we're kind of reaching uh, reaching the end here. Um, this is really, really fun. Yeah, I really appreciate you, uh, you taking the time to, to, to talk with me and... and I, I'm just still stuck. I think we we share a like a, a value of of authenticity and, and transparency. Um, and I really appreciate you being, you know, vulnerable and authentic and and transparent, sort of in in talking about uh, your experiences as as a teacher. Well, and again, thanks for for reaching out and having me on the show. Um, I'm excited to see where this goes um, because I think each of those conversations are going to be completely different and also like have common threads i'm excited to see what those are and see how uh you get this thing going yeah yeah so thanks for having me well and there's so there's so much to talk about i mean like i feel like even though we've you've been talking for a fair amount of time like there's still so much that we haven't even oh so much yeah so uh we'll have love to have you have you back on back on one of these i would love it anytime awesome all right well thanks a lot randy really appreciate it all right thank you Once again, many thanks to Randy for taking the time to speak with me. We are releasing this episode just a day before the official first day of summer, which means that if you are a teacher, you are probably done with the school year by now. So, to my fellow educators out there, congratulations on completing another year. Please take the time to rest, decompress, go easy on yourself, and please know that the work you do is important and appreciated by so many. This podcast was created and hosted by me, John LeMay. Our associate producer is Emily Moeller. Our cover art is by Katie Cooper. And our theme music is You Need a Visa by Really From. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join me next week for another episode featuring another teacher and another story.